Welcome to Paranormal, the New Normal. We are back again in the world of the strange and creepy. And this time, I am joined by my very first person from this fan base I'm a part of. But I hope to get a lot more, especially after this episode releases. And that is the fan base of Derek Hayes, Amazing Monsters Among Us podcast, which, re- as I've said before in this podcast, it reignited my spark in the paranormal. It made me get back into it after a decade or so of being out of it. So I am very excited to have to, with me today, Alfred Alley, another fan of Monsters Among Us and someone who has experienced some paranormal activity himself. And he's here to tell us about that. But first things first, how you doing today, Alfred? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you, that's for sure. So, well, the same, this is the same thing I ask everybody who comes on the show. What got you into the paranormal to begin with? Um, it was it was an experience I had as a kid, and and also just in general, like I I grew up in a family where you know everybody talked about ghosts and things like that, not as myths or fake, or it's just part of your life. Like these are things that exist; it's just another part of of existence. And uh, also, you know, that great era where unsolved mysteries was big. I feel like that's a gateway for a lot of people in the elder millennial generation X age group. Um, but yeah, for me, oh, it yeah. was, um, it was, I was, uh, maybe, uh, seven or eight years old and it was, I was, uh, sleeping. It was like, I had to sleep in the living room on the pullout couch and I wake up cause my little sister's screaming her head off and there's just this woman standing by the bed looking at her and I'm just kind of confused and I don't know who this woman is, but for, for some reason I, you know, say mom. Like if that's who it is. And then she disappears from the foot up. And I mean, that was one of my, like, it's like, Oh, okay. So these are real, like th- these things happen. <laughs> so that was a, that, that kind of pushed me into the obsession. All right. I mean, that, that sounds pretty creepy for any kid who wakes up and sees that. I mean, that's like something straight out of Ghostbusters almost, but yeah, not yeah, exactly the same, but similar. <laughs> so it was a full bodied apparition. Yeah. Like I could, I could see the full, uh, person. It was like a woman. It was like a, it was just a woman in a gown. And I can't remember features very well. And that's the one thing, you know, memory so tricky. Like at some point you go from remembering a thing to you're remembering a memory of a memory of a memory of the thing. So that it can change over time. But that's, that's what I remember most of all was the vanishing. Like it was gradual from the ground up. All right. So was that your, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna know the answer to this, but was that was that your last experience with the paranormal or no? Uh no, it wasn't. Um it was like I feel like if that if that had been it, I could chalk it up to, you know, when you're little, you know, you could you, your imagination could be getting away from you and and all that. But uh the next thing that happened to me was um, you know, my grandmother lived next door and her house, you know, lots of people experience things there. Like um I remember one time I was over there watching TV, I was the only one there. And I hear screen door open, front door open and close. I hear the furniture moving around, like people pulling out the chairs, the kitchen. And I go in there, there's nobody there at all. And that happened to more than one person. And I remember sitting at the dining table once and hearing the, the uh, screen door and front door open and close. And my grandfather was reading a newspaper. He didn't even look up from it. He goes, huh, ghost again. And like turned the page and kept reading. And but the craziest thing that happened there um, was I was sitting with my grandmother. And we were looking at a photo album. And it was, um, and it was my, my namesake's, 
uh, about his experiences in Vietnam, and she was showing me all these pictures he took and stuff like that. And the way the bed's positioned, you can see, you know, out the bedroom door and down a hallway. And something comes down the hallway and, you know, cuts right into another, into a spare bedroom. And, I mean, it had form, it had substance, because it blocked out the light as it went under it. And it made this kind of wind whooshing sound. It was really deep. And it just went into that room. And so we just sit there, and then my grandmother's like, did you hear that? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, did you see that? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, oh, good, I'm not crazy. And that was just like, you know, no, I go in, the other, in that room it went into, and I'm looking, and I'm like, well, could it have been a bird? Like, no, because where did it go? You know. And so there's just, for her, that was just, like, she goes, oh, yeah, that happens from time to time. Like. <laughs> see, which, damn it. <laughs> that right there, because I just, I looked it up real fast because I was kind of curious. And you're a few years older than me, which in our generation growing up, a lot of families didn't talk about paranormal stuff. Like to them, our parents would just act like it didn't exist from a lot of people in that generation. Yeah. So your family perspective is unique and I like it because I mean, I wouldn't say my parents ever denied it because we, or, or like encouraged it because we never really had paranormal activity around our house because we lived in new built houses on untainted land, I guess would be the best way to say that. But so, I mean, that's just the way it was. So, so what? So did your grandparents, so your grandparents obviously knew their house is haunted and they obviously just kind of rolled with it. Yeah. If that's what you're, that's what I'm getting at, which, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the older generation, they're just like that. I mean, kind of like, kind of like the grandfather in, um, kind of like the old man in Pet Cemetery, where it's just like, oh, you just don't want to go up that way. There's things up there you don't want to go see, <laughs> but, which actually I'll be watching I mean, the movie tomorrow for a different podcast, but. <laughs> I mean, I think so, it's like they, you know, they, they grew up in an area where, you know, hit hard by the depression. They saw the impact of like world wars and pandemics. They, um. There was a lot of violence, particularly in the area where, you know, my grandparents lived, especially back in the day. And so I just think like stuff like that just didn't seem threatening. It's like the the world, the real world life world was threatening. Paranormal world was just like a neat little little thing that happened on the side. Good stories to tell at night. Like it wasn't the threat that the real world posed. So I think that's why it just didn't seem scary or spooky to them. That's yeah, I guess. I mean, I I agree with that because I mean the older generations were tougher. They were able to handle a lot more than our generation is, and then definitely more than new generations are because they went through so much scary stuff in real life that they didn't have to deal with. Having to deal with ghosts is like, oh, they can't hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, they dealt with wars and depressions and everything else. So to them, it's just nothing compared to that, which yeah. I could agree with. I, I myself personally never had to go through anything that tough. So I mean, if I saw a ghost, I might freak out a little. I, I mean, I have. I have been around ghosts in my own house, but they don't freak me out as much as they would if I was a kid. If I was a kid, that would terrify me to death. Like, I would have been, oof. <laughs> I I didn't watch horror movies till I was, like, a teenager, because it would have made me run, run out of the room. But, alright, so, and did I, I don't think you said it yet. What, where did you grow up? What state? Uh, Texas. I grew up um, about... An hour, hour and a half north of Dallas. And right now it's kind of a growing area, but when I was younger, it was the middle of nowhere. And like, I know when I, 
first started dating my wife and she went, you know, to meet my parents and grandparents and stuff. It just kind of blew her mind that like, she was like, so if one of you got in an accident, like, would you call 911? It's like, I mean, you would just throw them in the truck. You could probably get to the hospital faster than the ambulance could get to you. Like that just blew her mind to me that in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I never lived anywhere like that per se. I've lived in remote places, but there was always civilization, like a couple miles down the road. Like yeah. it never was. I never lived in the. I never lived in the middle of nowhere. But so, but the reason, well, that's, I'm actually happy you answered that because that kind of brings me to my next question. Did you guys ever have any Sasquatch Bigfoot sightings out there? Since that's where they're known for being is a lot of remote places. Oh man, there. I haven't. I haven't had any. Um, I had a close family member who did, and it was they like in the and they told me this recently that um, they'd been warned that the land that they moved on, that there was that, you know, the, a guy that had the house before them said he kept a pistol by his bedside for reason. And uh, they found these massive footprints out in a field behind the house. And they described him as like a bare human footprint, but just really big. And they tried to like, you know, slide their feet in the mud, like to imitate him. And they couldn't, it just really seemed like whatever did this was just truly massive walking through these woods. And I mean, they never saw it, but they did say that their, their animals were very easily spooked. Um, the livestock would, be freaking out in the middle of the night and you never knew why like never saw it but it, it just seemed to be evidence of it there i would love to have an experience like that i'm obsessed with the idea of seeing a cryptid but sadly hasn't happened for me yet <laughs> same 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 but i've always i've always lived in populated areas or like in cities basically so my chance of seeing one is very low so, i mean where i live now i have a feeling there could be bigfoots around here but from what i've heard my town has never really had sightings of any oh, couple where are you at? i live in massachusetts in like central and like west central massachusetts kind of oh okay like right in the new hampshire border so i i know in new hampshire there's a lot of bigfoot sightings and they are and aliens and everything else because new hampshire is a very creepy state but <laughs> yeah i mean that's where that's where the barney that's where I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where the barney and betty hill case took place was them them driving home from the white white mountains in new hampshire is when it happened well, i don't know if it was in new hampshire doesn't for the bridge yeah i'm sorry i was like well bridgewater triangle go through massachusetts the bridgewater triangle is in the south shore of massachusetts oh, okay, by okay. cape cod and oh, okay. that's actually where my wife that's actually where my wife lived before she moved to me so she lived right in the edge of it and oh i've I still I keep saying I gotta do a full episode of just me telling stories that her family has told me from living there. But oh, that's amazing. Because I I gotta do an episode on that one day. I just gotta do a solo show. I gotta get with her and write it all down so I don't forget details. But yeah, I talked a lot about on this show about the Bridgewater Triangle because of that. And I've stayed at that house many times, and it was built on a Native American burial ground and everything. So it's like Bridgewater Triangle plus straight up Poltergeist House. So yeah, it's interesting, hundred percent. And which, well, actually, you're from Texas too, so chupacabras are supposed to be around there, aren't they not? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, funny thing about that. So, you know, I, I, you probably remember, like in the in the early mid '90s, the chupacabra was this basically a gray alien with spikes and sometimes wings. You know, it was a very alien yeah. creature. And at some point, it made the shift to where it was a mangy coyote that people insist is something else. So I, there was a, there was a time where, um, we had a bunch of chickens also this animal, I was probably a freshman in high school. This animal comes out of the woods and just starts slaughtering him, like jumping on him. And I mean, it was the weirdest looking thing. It looked almost like a blue black color, like smooth skin. It had all this hair around. It's like, almost like a mane. 
and my you know my dad shoots it and kills it. And it was just a coyote with severe mange, and it had lost almost all of its hair except for around its neck. I mean, for a moment, like if we didn't see it, if we didn't shoot it essentially and see its body, who knows what we would have thought it was. But after we saw that, it's like, oh, okay, it's just a coyote that's mangy, probably something wrong with its brain. That's what why it's killing like it is. And so then a few years later, everybody was, you know, uh, capturing mangy coyotes, and they're like, we found a chupacabra. It's like, why did this shift happen? I miss the alien looking one. Yeah, there's always been those two distinct ones for the last like 20 years where it's where I mean it's given skeptics more ground to just say, oh, it's just coyote or bears or mange. But I'm like, yeah. yeah, not the not the way the original victims that the original animal victims that it left were left. I don't think so. I even a coyote with mange isn't gonna drain the blood out of something. Yeah, it's just gonna tear I mean, it to pieces. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, they'll, they'll lap it off the ground sometimes, but I mean they'll eat they'll eat the whole animal. Like yeah, you won't find blood, but you yeah. won't find anything else. You'll find bones. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, my 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 wife my wife has chickens, and she's had them for years now. And it's funny because she told me one time when she was still living at the house in the Bridgewater Triangle, and I was living up in this area, kind of, that some creature came out of the woods and was trying to get her chickens. But she said it looked like a monkey, like a oh. chimpanzee, like, like a chimpanzee with a tail almost. Huh. And she, like, no one believed her. No one believed her. She couldn't get a picture of it because it was on the other side of her backyard, and her backyard was massive. But and there's tree coverage everywhere. But she said it looked like a monkey. And for to this day, I still trying to think of what that creature could have been because it's like I don't know what it would have been because there's nothing up here that matches a monkey really. Yeah. I mean, it's, it and it had a tail, so I don't think it's a young Bigfoot or anything. But I mean, I wonder if I mean, um, if like somebody had like an illegal pet that got away and it's like maybe a baboon or something like that. And it acclimated the best it could. I think it got some chickens when it could. And I mean, it didn't take any chickens because they were all in their cage. Luckily and my oh, wife, okay. my wife heard the commotion outside of the chicken squawking and she looked out and she like made noises to scare it away. But I, I don't know what it was like to this day. I mean, maybe Pudgewucky if it's a different like type of Pudgewucky than the ones we're used to seeing. Yeah. But Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, road. just, <laughs> I mean, I mean, she told me and I was literally going through like my favorite cryptid wiki, like looking at all the different pictures, yeah, like, or did we find something new? I don't know. I mean, the virtual triangle is a weird area and it supposedly has interdimensional portals in it. So yeah. who knows? Monkeys I mean, Dover demon. What did you see you crawl out of the woods? <laughs> oh, Dover demon. That's a whole nother one. But I mean, we're nowhere near, uh, that's Virginia. I'm pretty sure. Right. That don't, I, I mean, so. there's a lot of Dovers. There's a lot of Dovers in this country, but I'm pretty sure that's Virginia. But so, any more, any more experiences with you before we move move out of that? Because I don't want to keep going off topic like that. Um, I think that's it. Was explaining the years since, like I've gone, I stayed at places that are supposed to be haunted. I've gone to places that have been haunted. Um, but I haven't had any personal experiences since. But uh. I mean, I've talked to people like my favorite was I went to see some people that lived in Bonham and it's a town like it's a little north. It's almost near the border with Oklahoma. And they would see a little girl run through their house and they, they weren't threatened by it or anything or scared. But they just every now and then you'd see her like run. It was almost like a, you know, when they say ghosts or like almost like recordings or a static moment that repeats over and over again, like a gif. And so. Oh, um, yeah. But what they. The, what the. They, they had a name for that in Supernatural. I forget what it is, but. But they, the, the curtains in their kitchen 
match her dress. They'd seen the pattern so many times, like they saw a similar one in the store, and that's what they made the curtains in their kitchen look like. And I always thought that was incredible. Like, not only are they not terrified of this girl running through their house, they've made her part of the interior design. I always thought that was well, fantastic. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it might be a way to appease the ghost and make her happy. Like, that's I don't true. know. It could, it could be. I mean, when ghosts are stuck in like a loop, that's what they call them supernatural. When ghosts are stuck in a loop like that, like, I don't know if they actually are conscious of what's going on around them or if it's just like a kind of a memory yeah. in the matrix almost. Cause uh, I mean, I, I actually, so I actually interviewed someone from my show last night who had a completely different rolled out look that I've ever heard before. And I ain't going to give it away cause the episode hasn't released yet, but it's just people should listen because his view of the world is original and yeah. I'm not going to, hate on him i'm not gonna hate on him but it's original view of the world and it puts a lot of things in places if it's true but people can listen to that episode at, to hear the full thing because i'm not gonna ruin it okay all right well, i want to hear it so too. oh yeah it's it's a good one it's a good one and i with that i think we'll jump the creature feature because i think we're gonna have a lot of fun with this being a monsters that we are yes absolutely. so since we already talked about it a little bit, I'll start with the most common one that everybody likes to talk about. What do you think Bigfoot is? Like, what do you think, what theory do you fall in line behind kind of describing how they exist? Okay. If I, if I'm going from the point of view, like based on people I've talked to that have had experiences, things like that, it really just seems like it's, it's a primate. It's a, a large intelligent ape that, I don't know why we haven't found fossil record of it, but so much of, of it is explainable to me by being how hidden it is and how smart it is. Like, like the one, like a, a comparison would be like the stories of the Billy ape in Africa, where for a while people thought there was another type of chimp that was bigger and meaner and would kill lions and things like that. And the stories spread because nobody could find them. Nobody could see them. And if people did see them, it was like a, a glimpse. You might get a fraction of a picture. And they went that way for like, two decades until finally people, you know, were able to get pictures of them, videos of them and show they were just chimps, regular, not any different, but and it was the idea that they didn't want to be found. So they weren't like you had national geographic and everybody looking for them for 20 years. They didn't want to be found. And so if, if Bigfoot based on what people describe is as intelligent as it seems to be like, I don't know why it's intelligent, nocturnal and avoids people. So I think that could explain a lot of the mysterious stuff about it. Like it's just, it's hiding from us essentially. Well, I mean, it definitely is hiding from us because I actually been following this uh, these this couple on Facebook, and they supposedly live in like a Bigfoot sanctuary, according to them. And every day they post pictures of supposed Bigfoots and Bigfoot cubs, like in the woods around their around their land. I guess is the best way to put it. And I, I swear to God, in most of the pictures, you can't see anything. Like. And they say, like, they can camouflage on purpose. So, I don't know. I mean, it lends credence to them being extraterrestrials. It lends credence to them possibly being interdimensional or um, the word I can't think of right now. But uh, ultra-terrestrial, ultra-terrestrial, which means interdimensional creatures. Yeah. So, I don't, I mean... And then there's my whole, I've said this on this show multiple times, but there's my whole theory that Earth is a prison planet 
for alien species that other alien species wanted to get out of the way. Because my in that theory, there's a big group of aliens, like a, basically like a UN of aliens or a dupe of aliens or federation, if you want to go by sci-fi shows. But <laughs> basically, there's just a UN of alien species, like kind of like on Star Wars, I can imagine, where if they think another species is too dangerous or is doing something they don't like, they move them. Like, they put them on Earth as a prison planet. And A, that will explain all the different cryptids we have out here, such as Bigfoot, Chupacabras, Dogmen, everything else. Like, all the ones that people see multiples of. Frogmen, Lizardmen, like, take your reptilians even, possibly take your pick. Though, most people, when I say this, are like, oh no, the reptilians, if that's true, reptilians are the one controlling it all. But... But it also would explain why we have alien visits so much on Earth, because it would be them being wardens. They're flying by to check on prisoners. I mean, in my mind. um, For a few years ago, I I still I wrote for I would have stories on that website, Wattpad, and they wanted to do a thing where they had serialized stories and like you could pitch different ideas. An idea I pitched was that that Earth was a wildlife refuge and it was that cryptids are dropped off here and they're monitored and it was that there's a handful of people that know this and their goal is just keep everybody else from finding out about them keep them safe make sure they don't eat anybody and they ended up passing on it but i thought it was a great idea so i kind of love like that, that that like theory that it's like well why are they so varied and strange and all over the place and it's like well they're from all over and they've all been dropped here and <laughs> i mean that's my theory i mean because i i kind of also have a theory that uh, George Lucas got the idea for Chewbacca from Bigfoot, but I mean, someone else proposed that to I mean, someone else proposed that to me on a podcast, and I was like, "That's a brilliant idea." I wonder if he did because Bigfoot was rampant in the seventies. Yeah, he might have. I know the initial was his dog riding around with him. I think and it was like the idea of like having like a, a friend like that. But I, I think the whole form and everything of him, absolutely, be inspired by Bigfoot. That would make sense to me. Like it was everywhere I that time. That era. Who's, who says there's not a cash chic in the universe somewhere that's just full of Bigfoots? Oh, they don't exactly great, make the same noises. But. Oh, there was a great Star Wars, like, in the 90s, there was a comic where uh, Han Solo and Chewie get lost in some wormhole, and they, they land on Earth, and Han's killed in the crash, and Chewie just wanders around. And then years later, it's Indiana Jones looking for Bigfoot, and Chewie's Bigfoot. <laughs> it's like this weird comic that came out for I've heard of <laughs> I've heard about that before, actually, and it, I st- keep saying I gotta get my hands on a copy of those ones because I just want to be able to read them myself and keep them in a collection just for <laughs> being a big fan and a Star Wars fan like that, and an Indiana Jones fan. So anything Harrison Ford does, I'm down for. But all right, well, let me ask you this: because you said like you don't know why we haven't found evidence of Bigfoot yet, which do you, if they're extraterrestrial in origin and it's a prison planet theory, the aliens wardens would be hiding evidence constantly to try to keep things hidden so a bigfoot dies or gets shot and maybe that's what happens like the aliens come down and they either just incinerate or get rid of all the evidence with one of their technological advances we don't have or they just suck it up back into the ship and go off launch it into space somewhere for all we know so i mean and that also a lot of people say the ultra dimensional theory the that explains it as well because if they die or anything like that, they go back to their dimension. Like they automatically get pulled back to their dimension. 
So, okay, so they're never, I don't they're, know. They're here temporarily. It's like if someone sees them, it'd be like yeah. a temporary while they're here. Exactly. Like they kind of, and that would also, I mean, they like to say that's why they're seen everywhere is because of that. But I'm like, no, because there's five or seven at least different types of Bigfoots around the world that I've heard of. The Yowie, the Orang Pendex in Tibet, the Yeti in Tibet, in Tibet in the surrounding area in the Himalaya. So why, I mean, there wouldn't be this many different species of it if it was just ultra-dimensional illusions. Like, that can't explain everything. It really can't. I don't like the ultra-dimensional thing because it just doesn't, ultra, yeah. or ultra-terrestrial thing because it just doesn't, I don't I know, it doesn't, it doesn't sit right. right. It's, it's a theory that comes up because it's someone trying to link everything together. Like, trying to think that all paranormal phenomena is explainable by, like, one singular theory. So I think that's what the ultra-terrestrial is, you know, that was John Keel trying to say it's all connected, it's all related, like it's all one thing. And when you start trying to connect everything, you got to come up with a crazier and crazier theory to, to like include every little thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't like the theories that just sum up everything into one like giant group. Like it does, it just doesn't sit with me. Like these are creatures that have been seen since the beginning of time, basically. I, I mean, there's a there's technically a Bigfoot in this Epic of Gilgamesh, one of the earliest written things ever back in Mesopotamian times. So, I don't know. I mean, there's just always has been Native Americans talked about tribes of hairy men. So, I don't know. I mean, it seems like Bigfoot has been here as long as, human ha as, long as humans have. And it seems like they got smarter and were like, they're killing us. We're going to go this way. Bye-bye. You know? Yeah. Well, there's just some obsession with humanity that we have to see the dual version of ourselves. We've got to see the part of ourselves that never got disconnected from nature. <laughs> like going back to the Epic of Gilgamesh, that was, I'm blanking on his name now, but like he was, he was the one, he stayed a hunter gatherer. He didn't take on all the bullshit with agriculture <laughs> and all that. Like he was, he was like that symbol of what, what we were before that big leap. So I don't know. Maybe there's like, like I've heard that too. It's like, like, why do we every corner of the globe, if you have like, more than a hundred people together, there's going to be a, a story of like a ape-like or animal-like person. Like, why do we? If they do exist, that's fascinating. If they don't exist, that's fascinating. Like, why do we need that? Why do we create that? Because it's based on something real. It has to be. I mean, the amount of stories you hear of people that just see it, even if even if eighty percent of those people are lying, that's which I doubt. But that's still just a huge amount of people telling the truth, though. Because yeah. there's Bigfoot sightings every day, basically, of every year. There's Bigfoot sightings somewhere, somewhere in the world. Yeah. I mean, every, every the only country, the only continent that doesn't have Bigfoot or some kind of related animal is Antarctica, as far as we know. <laughs> we, we can't go there, so who, know, who knows what the government's hiding there, but we can't go there. Wouldn't survive very know. long. It, <laughs> Oh, unless you believe in the hollow earth theory and that's where the entrance to the hollow earth is. And that's why the government won't let people go there because people get slaughtered. Yeah. Which I'm actually going to take that little segue and go to my next one. Cause this one's been mentioned on MAU a few times, but I mention it like every other show. Cause I love this cryptid. It's my favorite cryptid by far. And that's Mokele Mbembe. Oh, okay. Or, 
he who he it who blocks the river in um the Congo. And Mokele and Mbebe, for those who don't know, you know, if you listen, if you're a regular on the show, you know, a regular listener to the show, you know who what it is. It's a living dinosaur, a brontosaurus type creature who supposedly lives in an area down in the Congo and actually parcast mythological monster monsters. Just did an episode about Mokele and Mbebe, which was pretty good. I enjoyed it. They add fictional stories to their uh, when they talk about it, but at the end they always have a little segment where they talk about like the chance it's a realistic creature. So yeah. it's it was a it was a good episode, and I since I was a kid, I've been since I picked up my first paranormal book in the library in like third grade, and at the end there was like one page of like what if dinosaurs still exist in the most remote parts of the world in the jungles we haven't even touched yet. Like, all right, I can get behind that. And so. What do you think? Is there possibly dinosaurs still living among us in the most remote parts of the world, or even in the United States? But I'll get to that in a second. Um, I remember, I had, yeah, I had a a tape about dinosaurs when I was younger. I think it was called More Dinosaurs, and they had a whole section on Mokele Mimbi. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I I lean towards if there is a thing there, I think it's just a unique kind of large mammal. I, if there is something that's distinct from other animals in the area. I I don't know if I can go with it being a dinosaur. Um, but it's been interesting. Like when you, when you look up stories, you'll see like some groups look at it as like, Oh, it's a spiritual creature. It's not an actual physical thing. And then some are, are like, well, you know, when people come looking for it, just tell them it's a dinosaur. That's what they want. And they'll pay you. And so it's just, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff to um, the stories and how they, and especially with like cryptids, how they change over time and how, details will get added and then when you try to taste down the origin of those details it gets really murky and a lot of the you know supposed living dinosaurs in africa like you know they'll say the like the kongamato i think that's how you say it but they'll say like oh that's a pteranodon living pteranodon and then when you trace the stories back it goes back to people saying oh there's a really big bat out here like watch out for it it's an unusually large flying fox style bat and but it changed over time and so i don't, I don't know what you know what mokili mimbi is I have a hard time because I don't know how a dinosaur would have, like a sauropod dinosaur, would have survived this, you know, 65 million years as the continents changed, as the weather's changed, temperature changed, um, you know, because the jungles that have been there for a really long time, but not 65 million years. So I don't know. I don't know that's one of those. Um, I mean, like I have some that I love the stories, but I'm skeptical if there's something behind them. And Mokele is one of those I'm skeptical about. <laughs> I mean, everybody, everybody has got to be skeptical a little bit because that's how you keep a grasp on reality. But I, I mean, because if it was just Mokele and Bembe that was the prime example of this, then I would be more skeptical, which I was for years. I always thought it was a great idea, like Jurassic Park style, but I didn't think it was ever based in reality until I got older and certain shows like Monsters and Mysteries in America started doing a little they did a little clip about a little boy in the 50s or 60s being picked up on his front lawn i believe in texas by a pterodactyl and the pterodactyl carrying it for a a pterodactyl carrying it for a few few houses while getting shot at by the parents and eventually it dropped the child and blew off but there's been ports there's been a lot of reports of pterodactyls or other flying entities like that or brandons and some people like to say that those are what the Americans call Thunderbirds, but 
what if they're just pterodactyls that are living in cave systems somewhere down there in the southwest and they just found a way to survive in deep caves where no humans go they just found a way to survive and maybe they come out and they get some dinner lunch now and then and then they go back in the caves i mean it's that's one of the things and then this is more recently i've been hearing about a tribe in south america i forget which country but they i believe it's chile but if you go there and you, like if tourists want to go in the woods around their village they say no then they basically say there are raptors out there that will kill you if they find you and they like worship these raptors and they look and they have statues that look like velociraptors hmm. so that's that's another thing that let me pre towards the president of it and then there's all the sea lake monsters as well because sea and lake monsters are basically water dinosaurs especially the fact that loch ness is supposed to be uh what a not brontosaurus but a oh that uh, uh yeah, a pleiosaur. So, I mean, all four of those mainly just bring me to the idea that maybe there is something to that. Which, you know, it, it all combined to the hollow earth theory too. Like, what if there, what if there really is a, what if, what if there really is a savage land or a land of the lost that all these creatures live in in a hollow earth? They're living there, and they come out once in a while to get food, and they go back. Or the government makes them go back when they get reports that they came out, which is part of the reason why the government might not allow people in South in Antarctica, because well, that's a major entrance that they can guard and they can make sure nothing comes out of it. I mean, these are all just wild theories, but they yeah. there's there's always some precedent to theories. There's always some reasoning why it might work. And Hollow Earth, I've heard a lot about lately. I mean the the Universal Kong Godzilla verse now kind of give it more present among like average everyday people, but the whole Earth there has been around for a long time. Oh, there's a great you know, there's the movie The Descent that's fantastic. Love that movie. But then there's a book called The Descent, and it was uh that there was in the Hollow Earth there was or not even like a Hollow Earth. There was just like this layer that goes across the globe, and it was like another like a breakaway civilization of humans that had been down there and eventually they just start coming up to the surface and causing trouble it's a really creepy book so that might be something to look into yeah i enjoy that <laughs> i i've heard of the movie and i actually heard they're making a sequel but i yeah i mean it's actually funny because in the in the book kong vs godzilla the the movie book which has a lot more detail than the movie does one of the Oh my god, I just forgot the name, but my son says it all the time. One of the Titans is they they call it Mokalia Membe. And I think it's Titan number thirty nine. Oh, that's fun. So bring like bringing all the stories in. Yeah, so they actually bring him into the Godzilla vs. Kong book. And I, I think in the movie they said they show him for like a second when they show all the other Titan housing facilities, but they show like the outside of it and the name, but they don't show like the actual creature because they just never do. But I don't know. It's it's. I find it interesting that they that they that they play into that in Godzilla vs Kong, like they, this legend that even cryptid a lot of cryptid fans that are really into cryptids don't know about that cryptid because yeah. it's a rare. It's a rarely talked about one because it's not one that's seen everywhere, like Bigfoot or like this next one. Which <laughs> this next one is personally my favorite cryptid, especially since listening to MAU, and that is Dogman. Oh, dog man. 
love those yeah, stories. Yeah, because they are they are as widespread as Bigfoot. And as I mentioned on the show many times, there's a website called North American Dogman Project where they have a map with supposed sightings of dogmen or dogman encounters. And there are so many red dots on this map of America that, oh my God, it, like I said with the Bigfoot, if 80% of these are lies and only 20% are real, that's still a lot of sightings. <laughs> that's still yeah, a lot of sightings. Somebody in the town I live in that claimed to have seen one. Uh, they're turning, trying to turn around a dirt road and shine their flashlights on. But it's basically a Bigfoot with a wolf head. And it's, I mean, it's, it's ahead, fascinating, like, especially like, um, you know, reading like Linda Godfrey's book and you just see like it like all starts like a radio station plays a novelty song about a dog man, them knowing nothing of the myth, just a weird song that they wrote and played. And all of a sudden people are calling the radio like, I've seen it, I've seen it. And this like phenomenon just it's kind of like how the Chupacabra and the black eyed kids you see like in real time something go from not talked about, not existing to just boom everywhere. Everyone coming forward with stories and experiences and you see like this moment like um, like chupacabras, they show up in 1995. Like Dogman shows up in 1992. It's just fun when you can see the phenomena, like the origin. <laughs> I mean, and if you look at it, because I actually, um, what do you call it? I had a guest on my show, one of my, one of my, not my first guest, but a long time ago, there was a guest on my show named Christopher Susi, and he was in the military and. He had a buddy with him who was from the South, New Orleans, and they were in Egypt on duty, and he saw a statue of Anubis, and and he was like, what is that? And they're like, that's a statue of an ancient Egyptian god. And he's like, I've seen something that looks exactly like, like that in my backyard when I was a kid in New Orleans. Ruguru. And... <laughs> Yeah, the Ruguru, exactly. And he actually had two different like sightings of it. He was never it never tried to attack him or like defend its territory against him, but it, it just one time it was looking at him from his in, in, in his bedroom window from his backyard, like and then another time he saw it paddling down a river. Which they're dogs, so I'd have to imagine they could swim. Yeah. To some degree at least. I mean they're not gonna be swimming in the ocean, but they could at least cross a river or a lake. Oh, that, but, I feel like that'd be a fun sight because I just feel like the dog paddle is the most hilarious swimming form. So to see something that'd be terrifying on land, just dog paddling, instantly take the fear away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but uh, I mean, it's just been it, and it's seen everywhere. It's seen everywhere. I mean, the Beast of Bray Road, the Beast of the Land Between the Lakes, in up in uh, Wisconsin. I mean, it's just. There's so many famous cases out there, and I mean, Small Town Monsters has done two different movies on them now, basically. Which yeah, I actually I, I had more the uh, American Werewolves one, and they talk about a lot about the land between the lakes. You know that because that's the one where people claim like, oh well, these people that they say were killed by this animal were killed by a dog man, and so they attribute actual victims to them. Well, that I mean, the original case for the Beach Between the Lakes is frightening as hell because. It basically ends up with a mutilated body of a young girl up in a tree, which yeah. what kind of human murderer is going to just throw a body in a tree? I mean, it's just, I don't see it happening. They would try to hide the body, not to throw it up in a branch, but, but and people are trying uh, to say, oh, it's it's a big cat. 
what big catcher on Wisconsin that would do that? Like mountain lions at that point are supposed to be kind of scattered and yeah. endangered. I'm, I'm so, fascinated I, by Dogman and, and similar things because I feel like with things like orang pendic, like well, there's a history of like a small upright ape walking around that fits that, or something like Sasquatch. It's like well, it's the idea of like okay, it's some distant hominid that is really smart and can hide. Like there's there's a precedent for it. It doesn't seem it's far fetched, but it doesn't seem that far fetched. With something like Dogman, like that doesn't make sense in any form or fashion. There's there's no way something like that exists. But then like you talk to people who've seen one and you know, they're like, Well, I mean, I know it doesn't make sense, but that is what I saw. That is so I, I loved uh there's actually a book came out a couple years ago and it was called I Know What I Saw because that's like the most common refrain when people see something unexplainable. Is like, you know, you point out like, well, that doesn't that can't exist. It's like, well, I know, but I saw it. Like well, I actually had an investigator on here about a month or two ago named Lon Strickler, and he is an investigator out of Pennsylvania, and he says they get a lot of dogmen calls in Pennsylvania and the surrounding areas, especially in Pennsylvania near the mining towns. Like, And he says that there are a, lot, a lot of the calls are about the dogmen actually like protecting their territory and like they'll actually charge at people, but they never actually attack them. It's kind of like a what you would imagine a bear is like, or a dog's like when it's protecting territory. Like, it'll, yeah. fake, it'll fake run at you, but... And that's the com- common theme with all the sightings and stories, is um, there's a menace to it. It's uh, frightening. It's violent. It's, uh, it, it's a complete opposite of, you know, we've had decades of people seeing Bigfoot, and they describe this, you know, this large, hulking creature. It's a scary and awe-inspiring sight. It sticks with you forever, but it's not like you never felt like your life was in danger. And the common thing with all the dog women is, is a sense of fear. So it's kind of interesting, like why, how that, how those stories have come apart and started being, people started experiencing this, but that's a common theme is that, that fear and threat. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that Bigfoot's never like threatened violence. I mean, the, the ape Canyon attack. Oh, that's true. That's the, true. I've heard plenty of stories of truckers where their the side of their truck is slammed in by a huge boulder, and what could lift that but a Bigfoot? So I don't know. I mean, it just Bigfoots. I think get territorial if you're around their young, or if they feel like they're being threatened. That's when they get territorial, and that's when they'll actually like go after you. If you if they feel like you're just not leaving them alone, that you're just passing through, I don't think they will bother you. And it also could be just the whole same thing as any animal, the young versus old thing where if it's a young Bigfoot, it may be overzealous and energetic and want to do what it wants to do. And if it's an old one, it may feel like it's protecting its life by doing that. So who knows? They're intelligent. So they could be like humans because humans are jerks. (laughs) Some of them are just jerks. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, if you kept trying to take, if you, if you kept refusing to give him some beef jerky, then I would be furious too. So, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Everybody everybody has to love those old uh, jackaling Sasquatch commercials. <laughs> but yep. classic. So, yeah. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you think Dogman exists? What's your number for how dog, if Dogman exists? Like, what do you think of it on oh, a 1 to 10 scale? With 10 being they exist. Gosh, I would say I'll I'll be diplomatic. And I'll say four, because um, I hate to, I, ne- I never want to say people are 
are like, you know, I don't ever want to be like, you didn't see that, but just, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it, even though I'm absolutely obsessed. Like I, I read Lon Strickler's site, you know, his site. And I like, I hear people's recordings. I think I need to talk to more first person witnesses. Like I feel like Bigfoot, I had a hard time wrapping my head around until I started talking to people that saw it. And I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. You, you saw something in a setting where you couldn't mistake it for something else. Like that's fascinating, but I got to hear more sightings from people. I think I have a hard time wrapping my head, I mean, head around the dog man. <laughs> Even though it's funny because I, it's funny because I actually, I messaged Linda Godfrey about about possibly coming to my show. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to get her on because I'd love to get her on just to talk to her about her books. But I hope you do. I, I think and I, I actually, I think I've read most of her books. I just love when when I read books on the unknown. I don't really want the ones that are like trying to prove it or like we're gonna go into the science of it. I just I want the stories. Give me the stories. Give me the sightings. Like that's what I want. And I feel like all her books do that. Just a collection of experiences yeah which it's actually funny because lon strickler's books are the same type of fashion but he's his books are newer than hers by a couple decades but and i also i've been i've been trying to get actual dogmen citing people on my show but it's hard to come by them like they're not they're not just like out there trying to talk about what they saw because they don't want people to think they're crazy that's true because i mean i mean like like i just said like you know i, I listen to people say it but even i have a hard time with like wrap my head around something like that could exist so i could see someone being less likely to come forward if they saw something like that it's one thing to say you saw a sasquatch which thousands of people claim to see it's another thing to say i think i saw a werewolf i think that's a harder thing to come forward and talk about yeah i i mean well see i hate the term werewolf because because it's not to really me that, like it's not a human turning into a thing it's just a bizarre animal yeah which I mean, werewolf was only created because I think Dogman existed since the beginning of time, same as Bigfoot. And I think that they just, they've always existed. And people started saying like, oh, they're werewolves. And they, you know, they started making all these storybook elements to it, like full moon, silver bullets and all that, because they wanted a way to make it scarier and to make it describe. Because I mean, people, there was also criminals back in the 15, 1600s who said like, Oh, I'm a werewolf. I turn to a wolf and I kill people. Like serial killers did that just to try yeah. to get off. They want they want to be labeled insane instead of just killers. But I mean the whole the whole beast of Gadavon thing in France. I forget how the hell you say it right, but it's just a cla it's a classic example of like a dogman attacking from back in like the 1600s. I forget the, I can never pronounce that town name right. Thanks, yeah, there you go. You, you got, you're better at the French than I am, but Jedevon. Yeah, okay, that's closer. Yeah. So, I don't know. Dogmen, on a scale of 110, I actually could say an 8. Because okay. I almost believe in that. I almost believe in them more than Sasquatch. Because they would definitely have an easier time hiding than Sasquatch. Especially if they can turn into men. Like, if, if it's the kind of dogmen and they actually can go back and forth between man and beast at will. They could be the homeless person you see in the side, like on the corner of the street, and then, and when they when they want to, they walk into the woods and turn and run away, go to somewhere else. Like I could easily see that happening. And plus, I don't know. I mean, I've been in New York City and Boston, and you walk by some of these people, and you just get the creepiest feeling when you're walking by them, like you're around something you shouldn't be around, even though they look just like another person. So, 
I don't know. It's just weird. I mean, you don't get that feeling with all of them, but some of them you get that feeling. Let's take it off Earth for a while. Let's talk aliens, because right. Texas is a bit. Texas is a big UFO state and mm-hmm. alien state, technically, and it's close to some famous alien crashes and sightings. So, oh yeah, uh, what are your beliefs? That... I went to Aurora, where um, the first UFO crash supposedly happened in the 1800s, and uh, they they were not leaning into it back then. Like this was like 2005. And I went there and like the person who worked at the store, I said, oh, I'm here, you know, because I heard about the Aurora crash in 1889 and I want to like, you know, learn more about it. And she was just like, there was nothing crashed. There's no UFO. Like they said it hit, they said it hit like this tower. There was no tower. They say it crashed over there and the grass won't grow, but it's just a rocky hill. Grass can't grow because it's rocky. Like, I mean, they were like mad. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I was like, if you don't mind pointing me to the cemetery where the alien was buried, she's like, there's no alien buried in that cemetery. Like they were very upset about it. I think nowadays they lean into yeah. it more, but back then they did not. <laughs> yeah, since like paranormal has been blowing up for the last 15 years or so. So now a lot of towns that had stuff happen supposedly are way more into it and they want to make the money off the tourist. Yeah, which is funny because like that's which, one of the leading theories it, if Aurora didn't happen was it was a dying railroad town and it was somebody that lived there and worked for Dallas Morning News basically made the whole story up whole cloth to get people to go out and visit Aurora. Is one of the like one theory about it. I always like that. That was the idea. Which, it's like, I'm in this town. I know. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's a theory. Basically, anywhere that these things happen, there's always yeah. that one person. It's just like, oh, they, they want to make money. They're just making it up. But I, I mean, I've I've heard of the Aurora UFO crash, of course, and it is one of the first. It is definitely the, one of the first recorded UFO crashes, though they've been happening since the beginning of time. I think. Well, it's the beginning of our time because it ain't the beginning of their time. That's for damn sure. So, what's your theory on aliens? Do they you you believe they exist? I, I mean, I'm guessing since you just said you went to look for one. Oh yeah, I. I mean, it would make sense that like, obviously, out there are aliens. The question has been, are they visiting us? And I mean, I think the, the Navy videos that have been released the past few years show definitively that yeah, something's here. Something's something that, that has capabilities far beyond anything else anybody else has. Um, and so I don't know, like it's one of those, it's hard. You start to sound like a crazy person. The second you're like, okay, well, what could they be? It's like extraterrestrials from another world. Okay. And then it's like, well, they seem to have an affinity for the ocean. Maybe it's some sort of, maybe they live down there. Maybe they're in the ocean. Maybe they come out and that's why well, we don't ever like have a base operations here. It's, it's hard. Like when you, you see those videos and it's like, okay, well, we know there's ships that can go 13,000 miles an hour and can do hard right turns. It can do seem to vanish and then reappear miles away. And we know they have these capabilities nothing else on this planet has. And then it's just trying to figure out, it's like, but that's all we have. It's like, oh, you know, all we have officially, at least. So I don't know. You keep hearing rumors of off-world vehicles being in possession of the government or Boeing or things like that. But, I mean, I honestly don't know what we'll find out in the next few years. But... I know, I've always been hoping it was extraterrestrial. I've always liked the idea that it came from somewhere else, that there's more things out there than just us. See, I've, I've heard so many people talk about theories since I started this podcast of, oh, no, aliens are interdimensional. There's no way they came from space because it would take them light years to travel from planet to planet, which, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm more of a theory of 
they're jumping through wormholes in space, like kind of like Star Wars or Star Trek. Like they're jumping into light speed or yeah, warp speed, whatever whatever they call it on Star Trek. I'm not that big a Trekkie, but um, but I I mean that's always the way I saw it. Is oh they're jumping into light speed and they're jumping to our planet and or there might be some that are just out there cruising slow, like like the um the big rock looking one that they pointed out like back in the 2010s, oh. like oh oh. oh. Ooh, ooh, uh. It has like, a, ooh, ooh, uh. yeah, I, yeah. I'm probably, probably butchering. Yeah, I like, apologize because I'm butchering the Hawaiian. No, language, no. You, yeah, you, you, it, I was gonna say the Hawaiian base, the one that was like named after named after a Hawaiian name, but yeah, and I, I mean, mean that was an interesting one because I don't know. It it did so it did a lot of things that it shouldn't have done, and it really seemed like it might that might have been an artificial thing. Possible. I mean, I don't know. I mean, because. Aliens have, I mean, extraterrestrials, I feel like they had to exist. They definitely have been here and they helped ancient humanity a lot, I think. I believe in the theory that aliens are the gods that the Egyptians, that the Aztecs, the Mayans worshipped that were half animal, half man. Like, I think that they were seeing aliens and that was just the only way they could describe them as gods. Because they could do so much more than we could do and they had all these abilities with their magic chariots or magic saucers, whatever they called them back then. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it had to be, because why were cavemen drawing... They only drew things they saw on, like, cave walls. So, there'd be pictures of cows, there'd be pictures of deer or a lion or tigers, and then there's a picture of a gray. And some of these pictures have been dated back, like, 35,000 years. Which, why are they drawing pictures of greys unless they're seeing them? Yeah. Some some homo erectus from back then is not going to think of that out of the corner of his mind. They had no imagination. They were just about hunting, hunting, hunting and gathering. They were about surviving. They weren't sitting there making up stories like that. So, and the idea of space travel to them would have been non existent. So, I mean, they they did some cool stuff with that cave art. Some of the oldest ones um, were drawn in such a way of, to where if there was a fire built near them, it was flickering. It gave an, an illusion of movement. They're basically early animation. So they could still do some cool stuff. But, but yeah, maybe they did. I, I've always hoped that if there was some you know, species, whatever, monitoring us all this time, and that they're not just been here recently, they've been here for eons, that they've recorded stuff. And that if they ever make contact, like, oh, by the way, you want to see what dinosaurs look like? We have it on tape. You want to know what it was like when you were all hunter-gatherers? We got it on tape. Like, I always thought it'd be great if they just dropped that. By the way, we've been recording you for eons, and here it is. Well, that's <laughs> kind of like the that's kind of like the South Park theory that they that to them Earth is a reality show, and yeah. that they put us all here. They put all the different species here of of animals and humans just to watch us interact with each other, basically. Yeah, <laughs> like I like that. I like that theory because that's. I mean, well, it's not really a theory. I think it's basically truth. But besides that, I mean, I don't know if they put us here or if they just sparked our evolution. But they definitely had some hand in us. They had to have. I mean, the human, the DNA genome in humans is so mysterious and like complex that it didn't just develop on its own. I mean, there had to be something guiding it. It would have taken eons for it to develop on its own, not the. Few no, hundred I mean, thousand years did. Uh, it took a lot. I mean, it did take a while. I mean, it took. I mean, we broke away from apes. We broke away from chimpanzees like seven million years ago. Like, I mean, it's taken us a while to get here. 
I've always wondered if it's just the way we observe other species. That's why they, you know, treat us like we are, we're separated from them as chimps aren't us. So it's one of those, why don't they make contact? It's like, well, go make contact with chimps and set up an ongoing relationship with them and see how, where that gets you. Like there's just too much of a disconnect from whatever they are to whatever we are for that to happen. That's why there hasn't been a take me to your leader moment with whatever's piloting these ships that are flying around. Well, but then again, they have also, you, the way they engage the Navy just seems like they're also jerks. So that may not be the case. They may just be jerks. <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the headline <laughs> of the year, aliens are jerks. <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the Valley Thor story. So, uh, which one? Valiant Thor. I don't think I have. Well, basically, it's a story of a Norse alien, because that's what they call them, because they look like Norse humans. And supposedly, I believe it was in the late 50s, early 60s, when we first started playing with nuclear, right after we dropped the bombs. Well, yeah, basically, like a decade after we dropped the bombs, we were playing with nuclear power. And it was an alien that supposedly came down and spent weeks with President Eisenhower and stayed in the Pentagon. And there are even pictures of the president with this Norse alien. And I mean, I've seen, I've seen the pictures. He looks like a man, a Norse man, like a blonde hair, blue eye type thing. But according to multiple witnesses that were around Eisenhower, this did happen. And Eisenhower's own daughter says like, yeah, I was there. He, I met him. It happened. And I guess he was meeting with multiple nations during those couple weeks or a couple months, whatever it was. And he was telling them, like, knock off with the nuclear stuff or we will be stopping it for you. Like, he was basically just trying to make us a more peaceful people. I mean, he yeah. failed, obviously, but <laughs> he failed big time. But yeah, that Valiant Thor was his name, which I thought was kind of weird that he would use Thor as part of his name, like the, yeah. Greek, like the Norse god. So, but... I don't know. It just it's. I've heard of. I've heard it talked about in podcasts before, and I've read the stories about it in the newspaper articles that were written about it. And it's just weird. Like it's it's the most. It's the only time supposedly an alien has contacted a president and has actually been photographed and recorded doing so. Yeah, uh, I remember hearing rumors so. about like there's Eisenhower. Uh, there's rumors that like Carter got some big, you know, revelation about whatever aliens are and. I feel like there's always those stories. Um, then I love the ones where the, the presidents did try to get information. Or basically, I think it was Clinton tried to get information about like, hey, what's up with Roswell? What's up with the area? And they're like, nah. So it was it's almost like a scene Independence Day. It was like, it's on a need to know. <laughs> so oh, 100%. Like, I mean, it's it's funny because when I used to I used to live in a town called Clinton, Massachusetts, and I, I lived in condos. And one of my neighbors, like four or five, four or five doors down, he, I was friendly with him, and so was my next door, my neighbor, two doors down. We were all friends, and we were we were out of power one night. And we were just sitting outside, like talking, drinking, whatever, waiting for the power to go back on. And like he mentioned, like I always knew he was in aeron aeronautics, like he was in like aeronautics for the government. And like he happened to mention me, he's like, I'm not gonna say his name just for anon to keep him anonymous, but he said to me, he's like, yeah, I've been all over the world like for the government. He's like, I've been to a place in the desert that a lot of people call a certain name, but I can't tell you what it's really called. And he's like, I've been to other places that are in the North America. I can't say what they're called. 
So, I mean, I truly believe he knows what's going on with the government with this stuff, but he just, he knows what the government will do if he tells anybody. So he's just keeping quiet because he's a smart man and he does go, go on trips for days at a time. So I think, and he does work in aeronautics. I know he does because I see his business card, but so, I mean, I feel like he knows more than he's letting on and, but I don't think I ever, I ever get him to talk about it until he retires like 30, 50 years down the road. So I don't know. He's not gonna be stupid and just spill the beans. He can't. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't blame. I don't blame him. If I had that. If I had that kind of job, I wouldn't either. I'd want to know more. But do you do you believe that there are different kinds of aliens though, like rays, reptilians, Norse, uh, insectoids, amphibian-like aliens? I don't know. I've um, like I've I've talked to people who have had experiences with grays that you know have had pretty nightmare experiences with them, but I've never, I've never met anyone that's encountered the other ones. And I've heard all the stories, but I mean, it's, I mean, who knows? It, it's one of those, like, it's, we've seen the ships. We have videos of the ships. We know they exist. It's well, who's, who's piloting them. What's piloting them. Are they drones or the things inside? Like, like, I don't know. I, I think I stick with the grays cause they seem the creepiest. And I've, I've talked to people that have experienced with those. I mean, the grays do seem creepy, but to me, reptilians seem even creepier because of everything, like all the theories about them having secret underground cities, like underneath LA, and that they supposedly are controlling the human race, like, which I don't know if I buy into all that by any means. To me, that's like a one out of 10, the believable scale. But because yeah, I mean, I'm more, I'm more, I'm more, <laughs> I, I'm more willing to believe that it's humans controlling humans than aliens controlling humans. Yeah. But, I don't really. Because to me, I don't think they exert any control or influence over us at all. I really just think a lot of our government's actions are based on that they don't know any more than we do. Like, because I, exactly. I really think America's denial is basically like during the Cold War, they didn't want to admit like, uh, yeah, these things can outpace us and we don't know what they are, or where they come from. It, it was all about projecting strength. And so I really think that's one of those, there's, it's one of those, do they, if they have a ship, they don't know what to do with it. You know, if they have debris, they don't know what to do with it. Like, I don't think it's a, they've been secretly engineering things, but I could be wrong, but I've just always seen it as these things oh. have been running circles around us and we don't know what they are or why. Oh, I wouldn't doubt that the government is, or at least one or two of the countries is trying to do something with it and they're, maybe they seceded, but they would never fly it somewhere where someone could see it. They would keep it under wraps until they need to use it. Yeah. But, I mean, you look at it, maybe that's another reason Antarctica is off bounds is because maybe they're just using that as a test range to fly around these machines they rebuilt. And they're just tra they're they're training pilots out there to get used to them. So that the day does ever does come where the aliens actually try to come and take us over or destroy us, we have a defense mechanism that actually will work against them rather than just our fighter jets, which can't keep up with them. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that's the great thing about paranormal. Well, the great thing and the bad thing about paranormal is there's so much that you can't know, but it's so fun to talk about the different theories that you're like, yeah, I wonder. I wonder. But, yeah. All right. I think we'll do one more. And this one, I am actually, I was waiting for you to be on the show because you are a monster and you'll know what I'm talking about because 
I've gotten even other podcasters with, with like, what's that now? Mirrored Men. Oh, those are, those are great. And and how cool that like uh, Derek Hayes gets to be there for when, when another like legend is created. Um, I love those stories. I, there's something unsettling about like the, the three guys walking in perfect unison. You know, if they, it's not about you noticing them, but if they notice you all of a sudden missing time, uh, that's a great one. I've, I've just been interested. Um, has, ever, has there ever been, and you may know this, has there been a case of where people found an account of a mirrored men that predates monsters among us? Or is that still like a holy grail to find? There are accounts. I mean, on, on monsters among us alone, there were accounts that took place 20 years ago, but because it's people talking about when they were kids that they saw them. Yeah. And I mean, it seems to actually to happen a lot to kids that lived in rural areas in the, 90s like 80s like it seemed to be it's it's almost similar in a way to black eyed kids though black eyed kids are now becoming black eyed kids are now starting to be seen in cities so i don't know that's becoming more of a more widespread thing now but there's rules to them there's things they do there's there's a whole little little setup with them kind of like black eyed kids you know they come to your door they ask to be let in you notice their eyes you want to let them in but you know you shouldn't and then the mirrored men is you see them, they see you, all of a sudden you lose a day. Um, and I do love that, that it's all, all the stories are coming from kids of the Generation X, um, elder millennial era. Because it's like that's the one era where a kid could lose like an entire day and the parents wouldn't wonder where they were. <laughs> no other era. Yeah. Like, like, like in modern times, like, I mean, my kid's not going to lose time for a day and I not notice something's up. But like back then, it's like, yeah, your parents might just be like, oh, they've been gone a couple of days. I don't know what's going on. Like, I know how to, I can cook something if I need to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love them because there's such a there's there's like two ties to them, the losing time, which is extraterrestrial in origin to a lot of people, because that's the only thing that losing time has ever been really related to is extraterrestrial encounters, and the way they dress is related to men in black. Yeah. Kind of, and their and their facial features, because because like the the true blue real men in black stories are, their their faces are weird, they're off, like they don't seem like people. They seem like someone in a people costume, but a bad people costume. And I love that the mirrored men brings back that aspect. Like, it's in a lot of those stories on Monster Among Us, Poops Crab, like they just don't they don't look right. It's not not even the matching clothes and the matching steps. It's just even their faces. They're not right. So it's like you know, yeah, which. Like what are they and what are they doing? That's that's always been my favorite thing to figure out with stuff like that. It's like, what's their day to day? What are they up to when they're strolling around in threes? Yeah, which it's funny because I, I had Mark Matsky on here from Small Town Monsters, and even he never heard of mirrored men. And I was like, Are you serious? I just got something over Mark Matsky of Small Town Monsters and Paranormal? Like, are you kidding me? Like, because I don't know if you listen to Monsteropolis too, but I do, yeah. Which, yeah, which I love that podcast. That's that's the other podcast besides Derek's that got me fueled in paranormal again back in like sixteen, seventeen, and hearing like just being able to get him on that, I was like, wow. So I, I told him like, all right, well, I just give you a topic for a future episode. He's like, yeah, definitely. I'm like, yes, can't wait to hear my name dropping that one. <laughs> I mean. I mean, the mirrored men are just creepy. I mean, I for a while after first because I lived in like a kind of a 
outskirt of the city type place in that condo. And I, for a while, I always like was looking out the window of my bathroom, like towards where the street is. And I'm always like, I wonder if I'll see him one day. Like, I wonder if those be walking down the street. I mean, because every time you hear about them, they're walking down the street. They only once did I hear about the the story about them walking in the woods and someone a hiker seeing them. Yeah, but, which was even crazy. Which was even creepier because it's like on you know the dress street clothes on the street, like street you know street clothes in the woods, spookier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I see three guys in tuxes walking in synchronization in in the woods, I am going to be freaked out beyond belief, and I'm going to be running the other way, like running, running, running the other way. Like it just would be so creepy. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Because no. either they're three, mo- either three mafia guys who just finished a hit and they hit the body, or it's something out of this world. Yeah, and I'm always jealous when people see things like that. Like it was funny on the show; they'll always be like, "I saw this and it's haunted me. My life has never been the same." I'm like, ah, lucky. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call them lucky. Their life's never been the same since I seen it. But I mean, there's multiple, there's multiple ways to take that. So who knows? But I don't know. But. Mirrored men are definitely a fascinating topic, and I actually will be having Derek Hayes on here. Actually, is that in a couple of days, I believe? If I'm not mistaken. Yes, that is this Tuesday afternoon. Crap. Um, I will be having Derek Hayes on here to talk to him. So oh, cool. I am looking I am looking forward to that episode. And I've been trying to get him on here for months, but of course I had to wait till his break in August to do it. Yeah. So, so I will be talking to him then, and actually it works out having a monster on the show a couple days for him. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I'm I'm probably gonna release these episodes in this yours and his episode in the same week just because of that. Call it a Monsters Among Us week. Yeah. Oh, and Monsters Among Us. That was uh first time I heard of Glimmer Man. I love those. That too. <laughs> but have you heard the? Have you heard the? the idea that Glimmerman is what inspired Predator, the guy who wrote the Predator books? Yes. Like, uh, I, I'd never known that connection uh, until I was listening to it, that he, that it was, it was the son, uh, it was someone related to Hynek that uh, yeah. wrote Predator, and like, that might have been it, like, heard the stories of like the Glimmerman, and that might have inspired it, because I love that, because that's the first thing everybody thinks of, is like, it was like Predator. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, the kind 100%, of shit I mean, there, and that's why I picture. I mean, when I when I think of Glimmerman, I picture literally Predator. Like, that's what you're going to think of because that's the only creature we are, most of us have ever seen that goes invisible and you just see like the mirage really fast or something moving and you can't really tell what it is. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's you, possible. You I mean, alien or somehow America, the military is working on some sort of weird invisibility suit and to test it, they're just being jerks. I think a lot of my things go back to like sometimes people, sometimes things are just jerks. Aliens, military, sometimes they're just jerks. <laughs> they're just messing with us. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, but I definitely, I could see it being more of a, they were, they're aliens to begin with. And I could see, I could definitely see those stories of like aliens like that. And I, the, I, I think the military is messing with their stuff, but I think it's because they captured some of them. And they took their armor, their suits to use, and they tried to figure out how to use them in military combat, which they easily could, because in a desert, that'd be the best thing ever if you have a camouflage suit and like you just walk right up to a bad guy and bam, like right behind him, shoot him in the head, and they never would see you coming. So, I mean, it's a good idea. I, I, I mean, 
it's definitely got military aspects to it, like a lot of alien technology would. But I don't know. I mean, the military has a lot of stuff they don't tell people about. I guarantee that. I would bet yeah. thousands of dollars on that. And I never will get paid for probably 60, 70 years. But still, <laughs> it would be worth it. Inflation. But I believe that's going to do it for us tonight. Which okay. I thank you for. I thank you for coming on, Alfred. I mean, yeah, I may have to have, have you on. Definitely. Um, I as as I posted in uh, Monsters Among Us on that when I was when Addy made me the featured thing on Wednesday Wears, I will be led of any monster on here who has that experience or who just wants to talk paranormal. I'd be led to have him on because I don't mind talking paranormal with anybody because it's always a fun conversation and it's always a good time. So. I thank you for being the first one to take the brave step forward and say, I'll be on the show. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I thank you for that. You might just breach the bridge between the sh- two shows and I'm sure having Derek on this Tuesday will definitely breach another bridge yeah. and cement it. So, so that will be live this Tuesday between one and 2 PM. I'm hoping to get him to two 30, but I couldn't get Sarah to promise that. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes, but. Okay. I am looking forward to ha- I'm looking forward to having him on and I thank you for being on as well. It's always a pleasure to talk yeah, to any fan you. of the paranormal. So is there any do you do anything do you do any podcasts of your own or anything you want to plug or just uh, I have to ask? Um well I uh I, I have um a book of mine just got put out in audiobook form, uh Ash and Bone. It's a collection of ghost stories and monster stories and a couple of cryptids and that's on Audible, so that first time I've had a book in audio form, so I'm pretty excited. <laughs> so I'll plug that. Sweet. Um, I will definitely, I, I'll definitely say, send me a link to that, and I will put it in the show description so people can check it out. You got it. All right. Cool. Cool. I and actually, I, I I knew I saw something on Facebook that you posted. That I'm like, I know he did something. I just can't think what it is in a second. <laughs> but well, as all the fans of my show know, all my listeners know, just go to Paranormal the New Normal. And now Maniacal Music's Musings podcast group. And that's where I post all my stuff I'm on. I changed the name to name after my two favorite my two shows I'm on that I host and edit and everything else. So go there and you'll see. And that's where this video will also be posted every week and you can see it live. So I thank you for coming on and we'll catch my listeners tomorrow. Oh no, not tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm actually not doing a paranormal interview, but Tuesday, Derek Hayes, Tuesday afternoon. Thank you. Thank you all. And I'll.